You are listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with authors and ghost hunters Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale. She's alive. program is for adult audiences only and welcome one and all to a super sized halloween episode of the shadow initiative paranormal talk and tv we are your hosts i am rick hale and sitting across from me is mr stephen lancaster both ghost hunters both authors both of us know what the hell we're talking about hey stephen happy halloween buddy hey happy halloween to you man it's it's just the fantastic time of year it's fall it it, it, it's like everywhere you turn around there's something horror Mm -hmm. it's 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 just like a wet dream for me man it's amazing (laughs) absolutely so hey why don't you fill everybody in on what it is that we're talking about today well i kind of wish i knew (laughs) oh i mean i knew i know we're discussing norman the doll a little bit and we've got a few listener stories we're gonna read and uh you're gonna act like a a Poe and read the mm-hmm. Raven, and yes. um, I know you've got some weird stories. You're gonna have to fill me in because I went back through the messages and I keep seeing different ones. So I don't know well, what one we're doing. You know, that's because I went back in and I looked for, you know, specifically Halloween, I guess, adjacent news of the weird stories. So those the the first ones that I found not really so much Halloween adjacent. These ones are, and Creature of the Week, I found it's another one of those creatures that more than likely did exist and could even still exist to this day. And it is the wolf-like cryptid known as the Wahila. God bless so, you. Yeah, thank you very much. So yeah, so it, it is a super-sized Halloween show. Well, before we even get started, you know, it, it is Halloween and it is that scary ghost story time. And I just yes. want to throw out some really quick recommendations to our listeners. If you haven't checked out the Midnight Club, please do. Fantastic mm-hmm. ghost stories. Each episode's a different ghost story. It it uh, focuses around cancer patients kind of on their, their last leg of life. And they're telling these stories really good. The other one, which is phenomenal, Rick. And I sincerely hope that Del Toro makes this a yearly thing. Cabinet of Curiosities is phenomenal, my friend. It is the best horror TV I have seen probably ever. I've heard that from many people. Um, Actually, we're watching through Stranger Things right now. I got Jamie and Theo both hooked, and we just started um season two a couple days ago 
So they're like, uh, they're like, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. Well, Still- Cabinet of Curiosities is really clicking with me. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite authors is Ray Bradbury. Yes. And okay, uh, here from Waukegan, Illinois. Right. I mean, I love him. The Halloween Tree, October Country is one of my favorite books. Um, the Small Assassin still creeps me out. Um, but do you remember back in the day, Ray Bradbury Theater? Of course, loved it. Right. I did too, man. Absolutely loved it. And, you know, each episode was a different one of his stories with famous people, you know, mm-hmm. playing the parts. And uh, that's kind of how Del Toro's thing is. You know, he's taking a lot of uh, Lovecraft stories and uh, adapting them for this series. And it's different famous people um, each episode, like Andrew Lincoln, you know, the guy who plays um, Rick on The Walking Dead. He, he's mm-hmm. in an episode, you know, uh, the guy, uh, really good actor. He played um, George McFly and, and Willard. I, I know you know him. He, he, he was in the one we watched last night. Phenomenal. Dude, you guys got to check it out. Cabinets of Curiosity. Yes. With that being said, let's get to our own Cabinet of Curiosities, Rick. Well, before we get started, I want to ask you this. What is your favorite must-watch Halloween movie? Oh, see, that's tough, man. That's tough. I know. Like, I can never answer a number one because it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. You know, I, I could watch Saw movies all the time. You know what okay. I mean? I just love Saw movies. Um, the the old school ones, man. The original Halloween, The Thing, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, The Omen. Uh, God, man. I, but I, I, I tell you, there there have been some recent entries into the horror genre that have been really good. <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't know if you've caught like Barbarian, the new Barbarian movie. Holy oh, shit. And, and you've definitely got to check out X. Okay. And Maxine and Pearl. Those are three okay. movies all tied together. That girl who plays Pearl, she's going to be something. This woman is crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, you believe her in this role. Definitely worth love. Huh? Nice. But it just um, depends, man. It, it just depends. Sure. I mean, my absolute must watch favorite, Young Frankenstein. Yeah, yep. it's a good one. Love it. It's a good Love one. Love it. It's uh, been my my favorite Halloween movie to watch since I was a kid. So, all right, let's get on with, as you said, our cabinet of curiosities. So, what shall we start with today? Should we talk about Norman the doll? Well, you know what? Why don't we do like a news of the weird? Okay. We'll touch a little bit on Norman, then do another news of the weird, touch a little bit more on Norman. You know, just kind of, we'll mix it up. It's Halloween. You never know what's in this candy bag, folks. That's right. So, okay. So here at the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talking TV, we like to highlight those stories that may not actually get the fair shake that they deserve in the mainstream media. So this is one of them. Now, you know, Stephen, this is going to be one of the our... Um, weirder stories oh wait a minute wrong one got to get back to it sorry about that folks you had one job Um, one job i wanted to uh lead with this one because this one is uh quite possibly the most amazing one i have um okay so steven when you hear this you know about this story you might think that this is going to start off with florida man and if you thought that 
you would be wrong. Now, this is from the Charlotte Observer. Pumpkins hiding a stash of meth-filled condoms seized at Texas border feds say. So, you know, everybody's always terrified of like finding drugs in their kids' uh, candy. And just let me tell you something, folks, that is a urban legend. There is no stoner out there that is going to put his expensive drugs in your kids' Right. Candy. Uh, right. <laughs> am i right so hey moving on so with these uh meth-filled condoms and pumpkins typically when you open a real pumpkin you'll find seeds in that sticky gooey pulp that just sounds naughty if you've ever carved a pumpkin or hollowed one out for its seeds you're likely familiar with those stringy orange insides that coat your arms as you empty the festive squash now, from what i understand it's actually really good for your skin but recently Someone hollowed out four pumpkins as part of a sneaky scheme, according to U.S. Customs and Border Protection. A driver and passenger were in a 2012 Ford Escape when they arrived at the Eagle Pass Camino Real, uh, Real International Bridge from Mexico on Tuesday, October 11th, according to a news release. A Border Patrol officer sent the vehicle to a secondary inspection point. Dude, if you get sent to that secondary inspection point, that means they know you got something. Right. You're going to freaking jail abort, right abort abort mission. turn around and head on back because your ass is grass my friend but it's not grass uh during the examination authorities said they encountered halloween decorations that were not what they seemed because stuffed inside four pumpkins were 136 condoms officials said and inside those 136 condoms 44 pounds of liquid methamphetamine. Wow. I mean, yes. using, using jack-o'-lanterns or pumpkins as like drug mules, man, that is, you know what? I am not by any means uh, saying that drug running is okay or that using meth is okay or even good for you for that matter because the drug literally makes your teeth fall out of your face but i gotta say man that's brilliant yeah. <laughs> i'm not i'm not sure why why would you choose condoms of all mm -hmm. things for something liquid you think you'd use right. like a mason jar you know down in there in each put one. it in there yeah exactly. you know but i'm not gonna argue it's creative it's oh yeah so here um so a photo of one of the orange pumpkins shows condoms hidden inside the mostly carved out squash so is it a squash or a pumpkin only a little bit of pumpkin pulp can be seen our frontline cbp officers have seen just about everything and this tuesday was no exception as they encountered liquid methamphetamine hidden within pumpkins so oh, oh hold on a second here here's now here's what it's worth okay authorities said the liquid methamphetamine is worth four hundred and two thousand dollars and one hundred and ninety six that's how much that is so you get four pumpkins which you know is depending on the size is, is going to run you anywhere from like five bucks to twenty so let's say eighty dollars right there Okay, then you get the condoms. Now, I mean, are they ribbed for her pleasure? Are they, you know, are they ma are maxim magnum? Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Guys, we just don't know. It doesn't specify. However, this is a brilliant way to run some drugs, man. Walter White would be thoroughly amazed.
Yeah, man. Breaking Bad Jack-O-Lantern style. That's right. I like that. That's great. That was that was a fine pick this week, Rick. So kids, pick. don't try that at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't. No, no. Meth bad. Meth bad. Pumpkin Shadow good. initiative good. <laughs> that's right. So we're going to talk tonight off and on about Norman the doll. Many of you have uh, or, or are aware of what Norman the doll is. Mm-hmm. And uh, some exciting news. He may or may not um, be getting a documentary in 2023. We're still in talks about that. So there's certain things that if we are to move forward with the documentary, it's going to be showing things that nobody's ever seen before because I've been sandbagging some amazing material. Uh, but Norman the Doll's kind of a... Um, He's more than just a haunted object to me, Rick. And He's you may you may ask yourself, well, Stephen, why why is he more than a haunted doll to you? Well, because up until I obtained Norman the doll, I never subscribed to the idea of haunted objects. Yeah, I just couldn't get down with it. I couldn't get down with it. I just couldn't believe that. You know, because I'm an electrical guy, I believe all paranormal spirituality, everything comes back to electricity. Well, in inanimate objects, you know, like something that's wood is not a conductor. I I just don't understand how any kind of energy could attach itself to it. Um, And even with Norman, he's not electrical in any way. No way. He's a full string 1960s doll. So no batteries, no batteries whatsoever. You pull him and he talks. It's a, it's a little like if you know uh, the old rotary pianos, how those worked, that's what he has inside of him. It's just a little rotary. That's got some, some phrases that Maddie Mattel um, would say in the cartoons and stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's funny how my wife and I kind of stumbled onto him because, you know, I'm a huge collector. I love to collect vintage toys. Yes. And we found him in a uh, antique shop, not too far from here, about an hour from here. And it wasn't even the doll we wanted. He was in this really unique looking box and I wanted the wooden box, but the Mm -hmm. lock had been broken off. So, you know, like any guy, I got to see what's inside. Why is this lock broken off? You know, so. We pried the thing open and there laid Maddie Mattel, a doll from the 60s. So we thought, oh, cool. We just found another vintage toy for my collection. Little did we know that there was a backstory to it. Little did we know that he was haunted. And and shortly after we brought him home, little subtle things started to happen around the house. And I never one time thought it had anything to do with this doll. You know, because we kind of have things happen all the time. We're always bringing in different objects. Some of them you can see over here. You know, it it could be anything. You know, it could be an attachment from an investigation. Who knows? But eventually it just got to the point where it was him. And, you know, things were done in a way. And I don't want to spoil it all. But go ahead, Rick. Go ahead. So I got a question about that. So you have all of these things that could possibly have an attachment. Was it like a process of elimination um, kind of a thing that you had going on to, and that brought you like, Hey, this is Norman. Well, I'll tell you exactly the moment I really realized it. Um, 
there was uh, an object. I don't know if it's within reach here, but um, it was little like tiki totem type thing that that was thrown across the room and hit, and came at me at the back of my head. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was believed to be a haunted object, you know, so I'm thinking about that, you know, but what what really what really kind of pushed me to start looking more into him as an entity uh, was my grandchildren. My grandchildren telling me that they've seen him move, that they've seen him look at him, that they've seen him go across the room. And, you know, of course, I'm like, like yeah, walk across the room. Right. Like well, more yeah. more like a. Um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like like uh, tra uh, transporting, you know what okay. I'm saying? Like sitting on the dresser and then they turn around and all of a sudden he's over here on the bed, you know, whatever. Like Star Trek. Right. Right. That kind of thing. The fly, you know, comes to mm -hmm. mind. But. So I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I'm watching them one day, and I'm on the computer working on one of my books, and they tell me that he has moved again. So, you know, we have home surveillance all through the house because things happen here all the time, and we want to catch them, you know, mm -hmm. on video. So I decide I'm going to call my grandchildren out, and I'm going to review the surveillance footage. And okay. sure as shit. I see this doll sitting there and then turn his head and look at me to see like, which all he could see was the back of me because I'm on my computer and then mm -hmm. turn and look at my grandson. Then he does what's physically impossible for this doll to do. He looks down. Okay. His, he don't move that way. I see, cannot now, grab him and make him move that way. Right. And I've seen both these videos. I've seen mm -hmm. the one with the tiki being thrown at your head. Mm -hmm. um and i've seen the one where he moves mm -hmm. and you know i know you personally you're a very good friend of mine a great and a, and a colleague and um i know that you're not going to bullshit right. me or anybody else for that matter and it really it, these two videos really are extraordinary to say the least yes and, and you guys at home you can go to at label 13 videos on youtube there there's just tons of video stuff on Norman and, and other scenarios we'll talk about here in a little bit. But that that was pretty much what solidified it for me. So I started, I basically became obsessed with him, Rick. Mm -hmm. You know, I started running my own tests. Here, here was an inanimate plastic and cloth doll giving off ionic energy, giving off electromagnetic fields. Again, I can't stress enough not a single electrical component in this thing. Yeah. So how can I set him in the middle of a bed, let's say with nothing around and, and he give off electromagnetic fields that rival a refrigerator. Yeah. You know, that's incredible. So it just became this obsession and, and I wrote the first book on him, which actually Norman started as a chapter in one of my books and, and my publisher loved uh, well, what I was telling her about Norman and she said, can you just do a whole book? And I said, you're going to have to give me time. Give me a year to research him. Right. And I took that year and that became the first book. Well, it didn't end there. And, and it, it, we kept studying him. Things kept happening. And there came the second book, you know, of us chronicling this haunting of, of Norman the doll and Norman wasn't his name. Again, it was Maddie Mattel I nicknamed him Norman just because he didn't look normal. And it was actually more of a nor man, nor toy. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? He's something else. So he's Norman. And, 
you know, it snowballed. It went on the Travel Channel twice. Um, there's been other other outlets and mediums that that Norman's been showcased on, and again, possibly a haunting. A, a haunting yep. Um, and, and what I want to stress now that you brought that up is, if you've watched the episodes on Travel Channel, they only touch base on about twenty five percent of what has happened with this doll. And I'm surprised and, and, it's even that much. And exactly, and it, and it was for time. You're talking about forty three minutes that you have to work with for an, any given episode of a haunting. And so it was basically, here's the couple subtle things that happened. Here was the closure, you know, but there wasn't actually any really real closure. The show just, they have to have a closure on the show, you know? So, but, but the story continued with him, man. And it's, I, I've had so many people, it, it's, it's really interesting to me because you can read comments on YouTube. You can read the book reviews. And a lot of people say the same thing. And it is that he's scarier. If you read the books and, and, mm -hmm. and read exactly what happened, he's scarier than any other doll any of us know in the paranormal. Right. You know, and I've had Even people. scarier give, than Annabelle. <laughs> you know, I'm talking, but we're talking about real hauntings here. So, yeah. You know, I've had people say, and you and I have had this conversation before. Um, why would you keep him? Why would you keep something like that? That's so evil and sinister and, and harming you and harming your wife and blah, blah, blah. Right. Because that's my job. Yeah. I'm a paranormal investigator. If I've got that Norman is a one in a million fine, mm -hmm. one in a million fine. And I have him. So why would I give that up if I'm studying the paranormal? See, so I'm just curious about something as far as Norman, because you use words like evil, sinister. I mean, do you have any idea what it is that inhabits um, Norman? Because, you know, both you and I, we kind of really don't go the whole demon route. Right. So what do you think it is? A, a lot of people lean towards demonic because that's just the word everybody loves to use nowadays, commercially. Sure. and. What really kind of, if you've ever watched the 30-minute video, which I recommend to you guys at home, um, it's me, Darren Evans, and my wife at a hotel with Norman. And we mm -hmm. did like a four-hour communication session with this doll, which I whittled down to a solid 30 minutes of just the goods. Um, and, you know, he's talking about hell. He's talking about fire. Anytime you would bring a Bible near him, he did not like that. You know, yeah, but that's taking his word for it. Yeah. You don't know if you can trust this. Now, the story with Norman is that he was one of a twin that was a stillborn. And okay. Maddie Mattel was a doll that was brought to the mother at the hospital as a gift. So it was believed that the stillborn, the son, went into this doll. Now, that's where the paranormal field divides when it comes to Norman. Okay. Um, I had the late, great Rosemary Ellen Guiley write the forward in both of my books because she knows or she knew a lot about um, haunted dolls. And she agreed with me, you know, where most people are saying, ah, it's a spirit. It's a child spirit attached to this doll. Again, this leads to a conversation that you and I have had many times. Yeah, but now. He's existed for 60 years. So 
is he still a newborn child or would he have the mentality of a 60 year old man? Yeah, that's a that's a uh, thing that really divides the paranormal. Community. It does. You know, per observation, that's how any of us learn. So if, sure. if, if this spirit has been looking through the eyes of this doll for 60 years, he knows everything I do. Mm-hmm. So mentally and intellectually, he should be a 60 year old man, because frankly, how could a newborn spirit have any knowledge of anything to haunt anything? Right. They don't even know how to talk. You know what I'm saying? There, there's, it's, it's a, I just have to rule that out that it's a child trapped in there. At one point it was, but I think intellectually now, by simply by observation, it's the the intelligence and mentality of a 60 year old man. Right. Yeah, that's uh, you know definitely something like like I said divides the paranormal community. And you know I was like you at one time. Um, I did. I wasn't really a big believer in um, spirits attaching themselves. Mm-hmm. to um to objects uh, until i came across one in 1997 on an investigation of, a, of these people's home where i believed that there was a spirit that was attached to a to an antique butter churn right right house. um you know they were seeing a ghost in 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 all that kind of stuff so i mean it it does happen um you know for whatever reason people before they die they love these objects or like this woman probably used this object every day it was what she knew and boom her uh, spirit went into it but now with norman the doll you have you've written two books mm-hmm. i've read both of them seen them in public libraries and uh somebody always loves them so much that they take them to uh half price books and sells them there for uh for the low low price of the half of the price of the book and they're brilliant books and they're great. Um, so, I mean, do, do are we to expect any more from Norman? You talk about possibly a documentary or a movie. Well, it's been both. Like, I'd love to see just a, a full-blown balls-to-the-wall horror movie based mm-hmm. on the story. You know, no bullshit. It's just based on it, you sure. know? And that way you can run with it and really just make a scary horror movie, you know, but that that's my love of horror. But documentary wise is just as intriguing because you can tell the truth and you'd be in control of it and show. Like I said, I've got stuff that nobody's ever even seen yet that I've been sandbagging with this mm-hmm. doll. And I feel that this documentary would be a great outlet to show that so for the people who have read the first book read the second book watch the tv shows this is giving them something that they haven't seen or heard yet now as as far as a third book the only yeah i if if i kept researching norman for the rest of my life i could keep writing books on what he does right? right that would always be interesting but what i'd really love is more of an origins because there's a lot of, uh, there's still a lot of questions. You know, Norman, when, when the woman gave birth, there was the daughter that was born and the son that was not. Believed the spirit went into the doll. Well, mm-hmm. as the daughter grew up, she had the doll. And that's kind of where the story starts is this girl in her nightgown is found in bare feet standing outside in the snow watching her house burn to the ground when police fire trucks all this stuff show up and all she has is norman 
or at, at I guess to her, Maddie Mattel, in her hand. You know, and she went from orphanage, foster care, orphanage, foster care, eventually grew up, became a woman, you know, and 50 some years later, donates the doll to this antique shop. What I would love is to find out all that in between. Right. What did she experience with this doll? Why did she never get married? You know, why did she always have relationship problems? Was it the doll? You know, why does the doll dislike men? Did it st- start with her? You see what I'm saying? So that would be my third book is if I could get her on the horn and just tell me everything. Tell me everything right. from the point you grew up to that house burning down. Why you think that house burned down? You know, why you've had why you brought this doll 50 years later and donated it locked him in a a wooden box and broke the lock off you know give me all those answers that would be an outstanding book but unless that happens i doubt i'll go any further with it all right fair enough all right well hey i hope to you know that you get to make that documentary or that movie that really just details everything that we all wonder about Norman. Well, I do want to, before we jump to your next news of the weird, I do want to talk just a moment about the documentary that could be. Um, What we are discussing is something that, and since you said you read the second book, you know, one of the things, one of the experiments we started doing with Norman was taking him to locations that we knew uh, were already haunted. We knew we're already spiritually active to see if we could use the paranormal to investigate the paranormal Mm -hmm. using Norman. Can he just bring it out? You know, and we had a lot of what, you know, from reading the book, we we had a a lot of success with that, that hotel session alone um, that you can watch the video on at label 13 videos. Um, But that's kind of the direction Rick we're, we're leaning towards with the documentary is to find two or three um, haunted locations, gather up a very small team, me, my wife, possibly you, and we take Norman to these locations and we do a day at each to see what he brings out in these already haunted locations. And then kind of mix that in with the existing story of Norman and the existing footage. So I think that would be interesting. We're not just regurgitating everything that's already been said. We're giving something new. We're showing how this is continuing on. So, well, hey, man, I'm on board. You know, we'll, I am. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, I know. We'll, we'll see. see. So what's what's next on the, the weird agenda, Rick? All right. You know, let's do another news of the weird. And then we could move on to um, stories. Because we have some. Yeah. Uh, You have yet to send them to me. (laughs) I did send them to you. I said it like in Facebook like a month ago. Exactly. I'm going to need those again because we always talk. We chat quite a bit back and forth. So while we while you uh, find those and send those to me again, which would be great. um, Let's see. This comes from ABC News. So dentists warn against these vampire fangs. Halloween hacks on TikTok. Now, back in the 90s, I was involved in, you know, kind of like the gothic subculture and going to the clubs. I still listen to music, still, you know, wear 
black t-shirts and stuff like that. But if there's one thing I never did I, and I would never do is graft vampire fangs onto my teeth. And I always thought that that was like really ridiculous. And uh, apparently dentists think so as well. So it says, just when you didn't think things could get any creepier this season, a DIY as in do-it-yourself vampire fang Halloween hack gone wrong has made its way to TikTok. Popular TikTok personality Whitney Kate, known as at Muawk, M-U-A-W-K, shared a video of herself trying to remove the fake fangs where she appears to breathe hysterically and panic after realizing they aren't budging. Um, I've watched the video, Stephen, and uh, yeah, you could tell like this girl was in full on panic mode, man. She could not get these things off. Um, since posting, Kate's video has received more than 10 million views and more than 6,000 comments, and proudly I am one of those 10 million views, uh, from other TikTokers who were just as freaked out by her experience. The panicking, this is her, the panicking I felt that one person said with another, oh, with another chiming in, please tell me you got them off along with a surprise face emoji. Her viral vampire fangs fiasco might be even more dangerous than it first appears. She later posted a video update where she's seen brushing her teeth with the fangs still stuck in place. She also admitted in her caption, okay, I need actual help. I used nail glue. Oh my God. Um, yes, I'm dumb. She says, how do I get them off? So we're going to leave it right there. So this is stupid. <laughs> Stephen, this comes down into the weird, stupid Halloween news. And it's like, I've heard of people taking it to an even greater extreme, not just um, um, doing that kind of thing, but also like filing their teeth down. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap, man. I cannot even begin to imagine how painful that is. It sucks. <laughs> I saw what you did there, buddy. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, you know, it's, it, you know, I love vampires and Halloween as much as the next person. Um, you know, listen, I listened to typo negative and sisters of mercy and early days cure, but I am not about to go out and, uh, you know, either file my teeth down or use nail glue to uh, put fake fangs on my teeth. I mean, holy crap. <laughs> so there's your public service announcement for this Halloween, kids. Don't glue shit to your mouth. At home. Anywhere. So, anywhere. Don't, don't glue anything anywhere. Yeah. So, Stephen, with Rick. that second story now in the books in this Halloween episode, we have stories we do we have got stories from listeners that you the listener from our community of shadows sent to us for us to read on the air and we are all about you the listener and the viewer so let's start off with this one uh jennifer hasuli clairvoyant mm -hmm. i had a demon spirit appear in my living room and attack my daughter who sees spirit the thing was straight out of a movie, but worse because I literally had to leave my home for two nights and bring my daughter to my sister's house for five days because it was legit after her. A Catholic priest came twice. I'm writing a memoir. It was hands down the most, the, or excuse me, the worst experience of my existence. 
years ago, I was kicked while bending down to get laundry. There was nothing there, though, that I saw. Ever since that time, the door to the downstairs opened when I brought laundry down, only laundry. Every time we try to watch a scary movie or read a scary book involving ghosts, things fall off the table or dresser randomly. How this happens, I couldn't tell you. I don't understand the details of a ghost energy. Oh, my dog just scared the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> she jumps up on the bed. It's like, whoa. Uh, yesterday, the bathroom light turned on by itself. Later, the breaker tripped. Another time, another light turned on by itself in the same bedroom. While it would be extremely difficult for that to be something other than a ghost, there is a chance an animal chewed through the wires in the ceiling as those wires are in the attic and tripped the circuit. Uh, turning on the lights. I, goodbye. Um, just thinking of those things that isn't a lot of energy. Electricity can be dangerous if it is 220 or above. 110 will give a buzz, but most people would be fine. My husband and I were living in, on Fort Benning in somewhat older housing. Our house was up on Arrowhead Road, a fairly quiet area. It was early one morning in 2002. Me, my husband, and our two young children were all still in bed. My husband had the day off. If he had to work, he would have been gone already. I woke up to the sound of our wooden screen door creaking open. Then the front door knob begins to turn. Just to make sure my husband was still in bed, I touched his hand. Well, he grabbed hold of mine and whispered, what is going on? We both just laid still as the door shut, chain went on, and heavy boot steps began slowly coming down the hall. The steps came all the way to our bedroom door and just stopped. Complete silence. My husband laid there stiff as a board for a good five minutes before he got up to see what was going on. The problem was that there was nothing to see. Things had been happening in the house since right after we moved in, but most of the time, my husband wasn't present. I guess our visitor wanted to make itself known to my husband as well. From that day on, my husband has not doubted any strange going on that I tell him about. So thank you so much, Jennifer Hasuli. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly for your story. So uh, Stephen, the second one from Patrice Majors. Why don't you go ahead? Yeah, I did want to want to say one thing about her story. Her story. What I did like about that was um, she. It, it wasn't one hundred percent belief. She actually offered alternate means of what was happening. Mm -hmm. Like she was even saying it could be bad electrical, this that, other thing. And in right. the uh, she may have answered her own question. By saying anytime they talk ghosts or are watching ghosts or whatever, um, movies, stuff starts to happen. Now, with right. her being a clairvoyant, this could be what? It could be her adding energy to this. Exactly. Which you've, you've experienced yourself with an investigation. But, yes. okay. So, now we are going to the next one. And Patrish uh, Majors. Majors. Okay. She says... I had a bad experience over 20 years ago after playing with my friends on a Ouija board I had just bought. We quickly got off the Ouija board after it was starting to scare us a bit with threatening messages mostly directed towards me. Afterwards, my friends and I settled in to watch a movie. I started becoming bitterly cold, having to cover up with a blanket despite everyone else being completely fine, and it was the middle of summer. 
I am normally more prone to be hot than cold. After my friends left, I continued to feel very cold, even after turning off the air conditioner. Also, I had this strange feeling of being watched, despite being the only one there. Later that night, I tried to sleep. I remember seeing a tall, dark figure with glowing green eyes standing next to my bed. Honestly, I don't know if it was a dream or something I saw. It just always stands out vividly in my memory. I remember hearing some sounds coming from my bathroom in the middle of the night. I got up out of bed and walked across the hall towards the bathroom. Suddenly, I got shoved from behind into the hallway wall. I turned around quickly to see who had shoved me since I was alone in my apartment, fearing an intruder was behind me. Nothing was there. I did not sleep well that night after everything. I remember praying for this to go away and reading some passages from the Bible because that feeling of being watched and coldness persisted throughout the night. The next morning when I knew the toy store was open where I bought the Ouija board the day before, I drove out to return it to get it out of my apartment. After that, nothing else happened, and I haven't touched a Ouija board since. Well, Miss Patricia, I'm sure whoever bought the one you returned is thanking you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Patricia. <laughs> Here, it's your problem now, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an extraordinary story. And you know, I'm I'm always kind of skeptical when I hear Ouija board stories because usually it's like, you know. My cousin's brother's uncle's sister's cousin, former boyfriend or whatever, you know, got possessed by demons after playing with a Ouija board. But then you also hear stories that are, you know, they're a little bit more subtle, like this, for example, mm. and a, a little bit more believable. Uh, what, what do you think, Stephen? Well, first off, Patricia, we appreciate your story. I Thank think, you. you know, Ouija boards are, uh, I think anything. And we have we have somewhat proven that in our line of work. I think anything can be used as a communication tool. I've seen right. people use Etch-a-Sketch. I've seen people use magnetic alphabet letters, you know, pencil and paper, you know, whatever. I, I, I think it's more your intent and your energy. You know, when, right. when people go and they buy a Ouija board, they know exactly what a Ouija board is supposed to be. Right. So that's already in your head. And I think many, many people, probably nine times out of 10, it's just influence. Mm -hmm. from the fact that, oh, we're in the dark. We got candles Ouija lit. Board. We're on the Ouija board. You know, but I think there are that that one percent that legitimately it's it's I mean, because scribing it dates back to like the Ming Dynasty, man. You know what sure. I'm saying? I mean, Asians were doing this well before. Um, the Asian culture was doing this well before we, we made it a board, you know, so well, it's certainly possible like mirror scrying and all that that's been going on for thousands of years. Right. And it's and it's like like you said, but but her story's more subtle. It's not blown out of proportion. You know, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much, um, Patrice Majors, for your story. And um, I hope you're listening to the show so you can hear your story read by uh, my friend and colleague, Stephen Lancaster here. So we have a third and final story, because as we all know, according to the paranormal, all good things come in threes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so this one is from Barbara Metza. So in 2004, my daughter died suddenly at age 22. Barbara, you know, on behalf of 
all of us here at the Shadow Initiative, we're terribly sorry about that. Um, I was sad, sleeping in a recliner two weeks after her funeral. I woke to hear my daughter and dad's, also dead, voices. They were arguing, gently like grandpa and granddaughters do sometimes. I woke not remembering they were both dead. I said, oh, cut that out. What do you want? My dad said, Barbie, look for the book. Look in the book. I said, what book? Daughter said, see, grandpa told you. So she says, mama, look in the pink book. Then they spoke no more. Then I remembered they were both dead. Oh, gosh. Later, I searched the house, and there was only one pink book. It was a pink young adult girl's Bible, NIV, which is New International Version. It says right there, New International Version. It belonged to my daughter. She had in life written her name in it and marked a section on death and the way death is okay. Also, there was a Mother's Day book mark in it. It said to Mama and had her name on it. She had died the day before Mother's Day. This comforted me. So thank you for that, Barbara. That's beautiful ghost story. See, not, yeah. not all ghost stories have to be scary. Or some evil demon is out to get right. you. Right. I mean, they can be pleasant. They can be a wonderful um, spiritual experience. But, you know, see, you know, let's, let's, let's take a, you know, more of a look at that because that really is one of the most common forms of uh, a haunting uh to say the least. I mean, a haunting doesn't always have to be something that that is violent or goes on for years and years and years. One of the most common is the crisis apparition. Mm -hmm. And this is a, um, a freshly dead, I guess you could say, a person that is coming back to impart some kind of a message. And that really is the most common kind of haunting that has been um, reported in the Annals of Parapsychology and Psychical Research in its 140 year history yeah that's awesome so yeah i mean oh, thank, yeah. thank you so much for that and again on behalf of us here at the shadow initiative we're very sorry for your loss uh but thank you for sharing that beautiful story with us and folks please please keep your stories coming um just because we were doing a little halloween special doesn't mean we won't read something down the road you know, exactly. so we, we love hearing hearing your guys' stories. And if you ever want to come on the air and talk talk about your haunting, hit us up. We'll bring you on. And it's not just a haunting. You can tell us about uh, if you've had contact with aliens or if you have, you know, been out there hunting Bigfoot or some other, you know, kind of cryptid out there. Um, we want to hear those stories. Or, you know, if you're a female and you have seen that, I mean, just extraordinarily large snake in my pants and you want to talk about it, bring oh. it on the show. Uh, nobody wants to see that or talk about that, Stephen, I assure you. So uh, I beg to differ. With that being said, we are going to do our third and final Halloween adjacent story. Now, I don't know about you, Stephen, but when I was a kid growing up, if you gave out anything other than the good candy, you were going to get an egg. I'm oh. sure that I'm sure that you did that as well, right? Hey, that, that's that's profiling. Yeah. <laughs> so, but another thing people also used to do was, you know, putting like lighting bags of poop as as a trick 
and you know, people will come out there. Yeah, I, I'm looking at you, Stephen. I see you there. Woo! So, but this one is great. This is from the News Tribune. Who keeps throwing bags of poop at council members' houses? The search is on. First off, they're politicians. Throw all the poop you want. They, they pretty much usually have it coming. Um, a man has been throwing bags of human poop on the lawn of an elected official's house, and police say the suspect is still at large. Seattle Council Member Kashama Sawant said a man has thrown bags of poop on her lawn several times over the last month. According to the statement from the Seattle Police Department and media outlets, McClatchy News reached out to Sawant's office and is awaiting a response. In a letter to Seattle Police, Sawant wrote that bags of human feces, why can't they just say shit, man? I mean, it's just, it would make it so much more interesting, right? Has been thrown on her lawn, not once, not twice, not even three times, Stephen. Six times. Yes. Six times, according to Fox 13. Following one incident, she received an email telling her that she could sit on her throne of human excrement. So we're going to leave it right there. And I will say this. I was only joking about throwing bags of poops on, you know, politicians' lawns. Seriously, we do not condone that kind of behavior here at the Shadow Initiative. Correct, Stephen? No, there's actually a better way to go about this. The way I used to do it when uh, we would have our prank war every Halloween is I would mail it. Ooh, it, that's yes. even better. Yes, and hear me out. I would get a little box. Okay. I'd gather up different, you know, various pieces, you know, mm -hmm. cat shit, dog shit. Sometimes it was even my own shit. Back then in the 80s, I could do that. There wasn't a lot of DNA testing depending on me. I wouldn't do that now, you know. But sure. what you do is you get all the shit in the box, and then you get those foam peanuts and some bubble stuff and layer it over top. Because what does everybody do as soon as they open a box that's full of the foam peanuts? They, they dump they it reach, all out. They reach their hand out in there, like to pull out what's in there. And out comes all this shit. It is fantastic. <laughs> Why am I not surprised that you engage in this kind of behavior? Don't be. Don't be surprised. Don't, don't be. be surprised at all. So, yes. So the police are currently still looking for the um, uh, feces throwing assailant. And uh, like we said, again, we here at the Shadow Initiative do not condone this kind of behavior. So please don't do that. Or at the very least, don't get caught. What we do condone, with it being Halloween, having a howling good time, which leads us to what, Rick? Our Creature of the Week. Now, this is another one that I present to you that actually did exist at one time and may still exist, although it would be a rare species that is rarely seen. Now, this is a cryptid known as the Wahila. Or, you. thank you or the saber wolf. Now this was, yes, this was a huge animal from what, you know, from like things that they have found in the fossil record that they believe, they believe that this may have been what is called a dire wolf. Now we've spoken about dire wolves on the show before. They were wolves that were almost about twice the size and twice the length and twice the ferocity of the wolves that we have nowadays. And this creature, uh, is said to inhabit Alaska 
And, you know, Alaska is vast wilderness. Like these things could be hiding anywhere. And the Northwest Territories, which is, you know, like British Columbia, you know, Northern California, Washington State, Oregon, um, it is larger and more heavily built than normal wolves with a white head and proportionately larger feet and with a long, pure white fur and tail. The animal's hind legs are said to be shorter than the front legs, and the tracks show widely spaced toes. Witnesses describe it as being about three and a half feet to four feet at the shoulder. So this, Stephen, this is a huge animal, if this thing is still being seen. Wahila are never seen in packs, so they are presumably solitary. Native legends describe the Wahila as an evil spirit with supernatural powers and describe it as killing people and removing their heads. Um, it has been theorized that the Wahila is an amphicenoid, a prehistoric carnivore of the Miocene and Oligocene, a, or a dire wolf, a large wolf of the Pleistocene, a prehistoric hyena or a completely new species of canine. So in 2018, original eyewitnesses, a man named Graves, identified the animal he saw as a Mackenzie timber wolf. So it is now actually believed that this could be nothing more than a large timber wolf. But the way that this creature is described, if you've ever seen a timber wolf, um, it's not quite as big as this creature that, you know, that we know or that we see every, or that is, you know, showing itself every once in a while. So let me ask you something, Stephen. What do you think? Do you think that it's a possibility that this is just another cryptid or unknown species of canine um, or is it something known that has been found in the um, uh, fossil record, like the dire wolf? I mean, what do you think? I I think I'll I'll stick to what I say about all, all of these cryptid, cryptids. I I think it's certainly possible, especially in these areas that are so uncharted. Mm -hmm. You know, where you you have Alaska, Antarctica, I mean Greenland. I mean, so many areas. <laughs> Egypt, I mean, the deserts, man, who knows? The, the ocean itself, you know, I mean, it's, we're st it, it's amazing to me, man, in 2022, that we can sit here and honestly say, man hasn't stepped foot everywhere on this planet. It's still very much a big place. You know, so make it small. Now, could it be misinformation could it be the drunk who, who did see a wolf and it just happened to look a whole lot bigger and menacing you know yeah. who knows who knows again with anything cryptid until there's a dead body slapped down in front of me to where we can all look at and uh research it, it it's hard to say man now, recently, I saw this video. Somebody, uh, uh, a newer friend on my Facebook page, shared this video, uh, claiming it was the video of a um, a baby Sasquatch. And actually, I'm like, I'm watching this video, and I'm thinking to myself, it's like you're actually doing more harm to the field of cryptozoology than you are doing good, because this is an obvious fake. This is either a puppet, or it's something that's running on batteries. Like the hands are moving like all, and the eyes are blinking. And it's like, this is quite possibly the most fake thing I have ever seen. And this happens all the time. It happens it, all the time in the field of, you know, in the paranormal community and the cryptozoology community and in the ufology community. It does. And, and 
fortunately for honest people like you and me, technology is working in our favor. I, I saw a video, I want to say last week or the week before, of somebody claiming that Sasquatch was looking in through their kitchen window. And they've, they've got the video, and you see what looks like Bigfoot looking through. The, well, with technology, what I did is I downloaded the video, mm -hmm. and I took a screenshot of Mr. Bigfoot's face. And then I did a reverse image search, which anybody can do through Google, you know, do a reverse image search. This is all. Have you ever done one of these? Um, I've done like Google Eye on my phone before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can take any picture and it'll find anything remotely close to it. Or it's great for when I'm looking up prices on vintage things and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Well, so I do a reverse image search on this screenshot of Bigfoot, and it took me right to the Amazon costume. <laughs> Needless to say, I it's left my Jeff comment. Beagle. I left my comment on the video. Because, yeah. you know, what was funny is all these people, why aren't you famous? Oh, my God. I can't believe this. It's finally true. I mean, this to everybody. It's like, dude, man, these people drive. These people are out there driving, man. They drive and they vote. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think we've all had those kind of like, you know, where, where you put like a comment. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever, like the name of my book, Ghost Watch, and, uh, you know, the segment that I usually do here on the show uh, is based on the work of Peter Underwood. But back in the early 1990s, there was a uh, found footage horror film that was shown by the BBC called Ghost Watch. Mm -hmm. And I saw it for the first time on YouTube, maybe 15, 16 years ago. And um, I'm like watching this thing and I'm reading the comments and everybody's like, oh my God, it's so horrible. I can't believe the horror that these people had to go through dealing with these ghosts. And I, after reading like a bunch of them, I wrote on, I wrote on there. I'm like, this is a found footage horror film and it's based on the Enfield poltergeist. Now, my comment did get taken down for obvious reasons because the person who put this on there wanted to show this as being, this is something real, but right. not before the hate comments. How can you say that you weren't there? You're not even in England, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, look, man, look it up for yourself. Right. This is based on the Enfield poltergeist. So yeah, this, this happens all the time. Yeah. Well, before we close out the show with your wonderful reading of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, mm. I do just want to say, um, make sure you check out Cabinet of Curiosities. Make sure you check out The Midnight Club. And do not waste your time on a show called 28 Days Haunted. <laughs> Holy crap. I don't know if you've watched any of this, Rick. No, I haven't. I made it halfway through one episode. Mm -hmm. Before I thought, okay, this has got to be a joke. This has got to be a comedy. I'm waiting for like it to come out that it's a well. I, then I took to the internet, dude. This thing is getting review bombed all over the internet. Like it's uh, being known as the worst paranormal show ever produced. Are you serious? Yes. Uh, Give it up, know, guys. Give it up. People and want like, something real. They're tired of this same format that's been going on for nearly 20 years. 
Well, see, here's here's the thing, and it's like I've I've left um, you know comments uh, in social media that the reason these shows are getting so terrible and people are getting so fed up and bored with them is because they use the same five people or celebrities like you know Mr. Jack Osborne, um, who is not in Twenty Eight Days Haunted, by the way. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's all just a bunch of pop culture references to the paranormal. Yeah, and and it's the but it's the same format, man. It's like you can sit there as a writer and literally predict what's going to happen in the next scene, how the person's going to react, how they're what they're going to say. It is mm-hmm. just like it has been the same for twenty years. The only thing that's changed is the name of the show and some different people. Yeah. But it's literally the same. Yeah. It's the same five people doing the same five things. And it's just after a while, it gets really boring. And, you know, it's it's just really sad because like one of the people on the show, he's a really nice guy. You know, I mean, I actually yeah. like him as a person. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's like producers, if you're going to put something out there, either just use different kinds of people or just do something original. Because like you said, Stephen, it's 20 years. It's getting boring. Yep. I agree. Well, with that being said, it's been a fantastic Halloween special here at Shadow Initiative Talk and Television. Please tell your friends all about us. And you can check us out at shadowinitiativetv.com. You can watch our episodes at Label 13 Videos. And of course, you can get the podcast anywhere. Anywhere, guys. And don't forget to join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. Rick is on this thing daily, posting things that are so interesting, things you do really don't see um, on many other paranormal social media accounts. It's pretty much you go to any other paranormal page on Facebook and it's all the mainstream commercial shit that's everywhere. Come to our Shadow Initiative group and you won't be disappointed because it's going to be things that you're probably going to be hearing about or seeing for the first time, which is really cool. And we try to keep it fresh. We try to keep it real. We try to keep it new. So yes, visit, join, read, and enjoy. So we're going to close out the show with Rick Hale's sensual voice telling us it's not a ghost watch. So you want to get his new book. It is out now. Ghostwatch is out now. Really cool ghost stories. I guarantee you most most of you out there listening have never heard these stories before. So if you want something fresh, want something new, grab Rick Hale's new book, Ghostwatch. With that being said, Rick, take it away, my friend. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore while i nodded nearly napping suddenly there came a tapping as of someone gently rapping rapping at my chamber door tis some visitor i muttered tapping at my chamber door only this and nothing more Ah, distinctly, I remember it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghosts upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my books surcease of sorrow, sorrow 
for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before. So that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. Some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. This it is, and nothing more. Presently, my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore. But the fact is, I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door. That I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door. Darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered name, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning. Soon again, I heard a tapping somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window, Latisse. Let me see then what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here, I flung the shutter, when with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady perched above my chamber door. Perched above upon a bust of palace, just above my chamber door. Perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Much I marvel this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door. Bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door with such a name as nevermore. But the raven sitting lonely on the placid bus spoke only that one word as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing farther than he uttered, not a feather, then he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before. On the morrow, he will leave me as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said nevermore. Startled at the stillness, broken by reply so aptly spoken, doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock in store. Caught 
from some unhappy master whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore to the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, never more. But the raven, still beguiling all my fancy into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then, upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking, fancy unto fancy, linking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore, meant in croaking, nevermore. This I sat, engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned to my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining with my head at ease reclining on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er. But whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er, she shall pass, ah, nevermore. Then methought the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thy God hath lent thee, by these angels he hath sent thee, respite, respite, and a penth from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, O oh, quaff, this kind of nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempest sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by whore haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden, it shall clasp a sainted maiden, whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden, whom the angels name Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked upstarting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore. Leave thy black, leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting, on the pallid bust of Pallas, just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight over him streaming, throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted Nevermore. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. You know, I've been reading The Raven every year on Halloween since I first, you know, discovered it when I was like maybe 10 or 11 years old. And uh, so I like sharing it here on the show because it really is my favorite poem. It was really, really cool. 
Thank you. It's a good way to close out a Halloween show. One thing I, I was thinking while you were doing that, um, you know, because I've been praising cabinets of curiosity. Um, I do want to say if anybody out there is going to watch this, I would not have your children around. I would not have your children around. Just like listening to this show. <laughs> there, there's, there's not much of a warning as to what's going to be in these episodes. And frankly, I'm quite surprised at some of the stuff. But yeah, watch it first if you're thinking about letting your teenagers watch it, would you? Yeah, not a good idea. So hey, great Halloween show, man. Yeah, man. Okay, so <laughs> we will be back next week with another, it'll be November. Oh my God, can you believe it already? No, November. I can't. I can't, man. So I'm hoping that we could maybe start having guests again on the show. Yeah, yeah, I've got quite a few I want to bring on, and yeah, we need to start doing that again. Cool. You first. Okay. Well, thank you, kind sir. You're so welcome. But yeah, so definitely, I think that, you know, bringing people on, telling their story, and letting us know who they are and what they're all about, I think is a great addition to this show. Awesome. Well, with that being said, guys, again, facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative, or watch our videos at Label 13 videos on YouTube. And of course, tell your friends, man. That's it. And send us your stories. Yeah, you know, we, we don't have to wait till a Halloween show. And, and where can they send their stories, Stephen? They can send those stories to Shadow Initiative Talk at gmail.com. Looking forward to it. So, hey, on behalf of everybody here at the Shadow Initiative, myself and Stephen Lancaster, Thank you so much for listening and have a happy, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. We're out. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating and leave a review. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes.